Thank you for listening to the Ablaze Church Sermon Podcast. Our purpose at Ablaze is to love God, love others, follow Jesus, and tell others. If you are looking for a church home in the Tulsa area, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. or Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at ablazechurch.org. Back to the church calendar this weekend. This is uh, the day called the Holy Trinity. Last week was Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, celebrating that. And today we celebrate who that really true God is. I mentioned that there are creeds that had developed by the church to have the language by which to speak and to tell others who is this God, and also to make a joint confession in solidarity with one another about who this God is. And there are people that actually risked their lives and some even lost their lives on account of the truth that is contained in those creeds. They are tough, they're robust declarations about who God is. And it also gives us a contrast with who God is not. Thinking about Shannon, our DCE, on the way right now to Mexico to build uh, build a house with a group of people. Um, remember the first time that I crossed over that border into Mexico, and um, actually all my brothers and sisters, there are five of us in the family, and three of the spouses, we all crowded into a motor home, and we made our way all the way, you know, way into southern Mexico, stopping along the way at some of the historic sites and uh, the archaeological places and taking these tours and exploring, uh, getting to a, a place uh, along the coast called La Vente. Now, all the artifacts from La Vente had been moved inland to a city called <coughs> Villa Hermosa, and uh, there's an outdoor museum there. We spent better part of a day there just going through all those things. And now, um, Dean, if you'd put up the picture, I'd like for you to see uh, this. This was one of the most uh, attention-riveting things that I had seen. I didn't quite get it at first until it was explained. <clears throat> this is an altar, and uh, you have uh, at that altar depicted a, there's a woman and there's a baby. Now, what's going on here? Now, part of the, the face has been obliterated, but originally it had a look of great deep grief because what she is doing, she is handing her child over to a priest who will then be engaging in human sacrifice. Her child given over into human sacrifice. You see, the gods that they worshipped demanded this. Now, imagine what might be going through the mind of this woman as she hands over her child. If only my husband had a better God, he might be a better man, and this wouldn't be happening. You see, these gods that they worshipped demanded things of the people, wrecked their families, and brought deep grief into their lives. You had to be ready to offer your child to be killed. The true God, in contrast, offered up in place of our children and our lives, he offered up his son, so that we and our children might live. So the issue of who is your God is not a trivial question. 
You know, we kind of enjoy those trivia games. You've played those trivia games, all right? And there are the categories like history, pop culture, science, movies, sports. How about uh, old-time radio? Okay, let's try that one. Okay, now, who played Tonto in the, uh, 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 the Lone Ranger radio series? Did I hear Jay Silverheels. Yay! Yeah, we got a winner. Okay, Jay Silverheels. You get one extra donut after church. Okay, next. Uh, what was the name of the Lone Ranger's nephew? <laughs> no. <laughs> His nephew. Oh. Okay, Dan Reed. Uh, the, the Lone Ranger's radio voice was played by? Connie knew because we went over these questions beforehand. Said, hey, that's too tough for everybody. I said, well, it's Brace Beamer. Okay. Now, the, uh, the last one in this series, uh, what church did Brace Beamer go to? <laughs> well, he went to a church called Our Savior Lutheran Church, uh, not in Tulsa, Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Uh, then let's, let's switch over to sports. Okay. Now, in the World Series, in World Series history, which player had the most RBIs in a series? Okay, someone doesn't know what an RBI is. Okay. Uh, okay, ding, your time's up. Okay, you all lose. Okay, in what year, what years in the World Series history were there only four games? What years? Time's up, ding, okay, I'll lose. Actually, I don't know the answers to those questions. I really don't because I really don't care because what are we playing? Trivia, trivia, okay. So I can live the rest of my life without knowing the answers to these questions, and I'm going to be just fine. I can still go to heaven, okay? But who God is is not a trivial matter. So today we're celebrating that perfect God. He is the, let's say, the, the Holy Trinity. The Holy Trinity is perfect God. As a matter of fact, in himself, he forms perfect family. You see, we're, we've been in a series about households, and if you, know, if you want to have one perfect household, that is God himself, in himself, because the relationship between the three persons in the Godhead is so close. There is actually only one being, one entity, and it models for us and for our families and our households what it would be to be so closely connected together. And then when we consider the alternatives that there are to the triune God, we see, obviously, the Holy Trinity's superiority, and everything falls way short. Well, let's go to Isaiah again. I mentioned Isaiah chapter 6, and we'll get back there again. But in 46, this is how uh, uh, God is quoted by the prophet. God says, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? You know that that's a rhetorical question because there's an obvious answer. There ain't none. No, nothing can compare. As a matter of fact, nothing is even in the same category. You know, we may refer to them as gods, but they really aren't. I mean, in, in the sense of what God is God. But our God, if you try to understand him, he is a mystery. He is a mystery. Now, it's said that if you deny the Trinity, you'll lose your soul. 
You try to understand the Trinity, you lose your mind. Okay, good. So who your God is is not a trivial matter. I'm going to make three simple points here. Uh, the first point is this, is that not all gods are the same. They're not all the same. There are a host of phony fakes out there from the father of lies. You know, there are people that will say, well, it, it really doesn't matter what religion you are or what name you give to whatever it is that you worship or whatever you choose for your higher being. Uh, they're all really kind of the same, aren't they? They're all, you know, the same being. Answer is obviously not. Uh, what they really are all the same, and that is they are all really the deceiver, the deceiver under a bunch of different names. They all represent the enemy of our soul. Now, you think about uh, the classic religions, you know, like the Egyptians, and they had all kinds of gods. You know, you look at those tomb paintings and the pyramids and stuff like that, and, uh, and then you go back into the book of Exodus, and there were a god faces off against 10 of their gods, and you know what the score was at the end of the game? 10 to 1. God, uh, he, he won every one of those, uh, 10 to nothing, I'm sorry. He won every one of those battles. Every one of the plagues was battle against one of the Egyptian gods. What about the Greek gods? And then as they uh, emerged again among the Romans, those same gods, and you know, and you had to study all that Greek and Roman mythology. What about the, the Celts and their Druidism and the Nordic, uh, uh, the, those Norse religions and the animism and ancestral gods, Native American, Eastern mysticism, uh, even the Marxist worldview is a religion. How about New Age spirituality with its postmodernism or people saying, oh, I've found out how I can be spiritual without being religious. It's a bewildering thing out there. And basically they'll say, but it really doesn't matter what you worship because you really can't know truth anyway. Truth is so much larger. We, we just can't even grasp truth. Doesn't matter? Well, you know what the truth is about all these gods and about all these approaches? You know, number one is they do not align with the real, authentic, true God. They are evil vindictive, tricksters, envious, lustful, manipulators, dysfunctional, delighting in cruelty, thirsty for blood, dispensing or withholding favors to people on a whim, just depending on how they felt when they got up that morning, and uh, imprisoning people in their fears and superstitions, their appetites. These are all characteristics of lesser gods. They are not the holy, just all-powerful, righteous, holy trinity. They're not all the same. The second point in this is that people become like their gods, okay? If he had a better God, he would be a better man. You get that point? They had a better God, he'd be a better person. Well, you know, you might say to your kids, let me see who you hang around with, and I, sh I will show you what you will become. We become like that which we hang around with. The character of the God that is served is displayed in the character of the person who serves that God. Now, 
Another example, I want you to take you down to Mexico again on that same trip and about an hour and a half to two hour drive to the east of Mexico City, Teotihuacan, where they have the largest pyramids in the, uh, in the, the western hemisphere. And uh, between those two pyramids, one pyramid to the sun, the other pyramid to the moon, there's a mile long road, the Avenue of the Dead, it's called. Why is it called the Avenue of the Dead? Well, think about it. Every few yards, there is a raised platform and an altar. A raised platform and an altar. Why? What were those for? Well, actually, every single morning as the sun was rising, there would be a priest standing there with a knife in hand, and next to him would be someone who was bound hand and foot, would be the victim now of of a human sacrifice when the sun would rise. The character of a God is shown in the character of that society. So it is essential to know who is the true God because it's not a trivial matter. Say, oh, I'm so glad we don't do those human sacrifices anymore. Uh, well, don't be so sure that we don't. Okay, think about all that preborn life that is taken. Uh, and none of it really in the name of Jesus Christ, or the triune God. But think of the P-gods that are so prevalent today, like pleasure, popularity, power, position, possession, maybe even politics. Distorted gods that produce distorted people. And it helps us to answer the question, why is our world gone mad? Why all of this violence? Every time you you turn on the news, you expect you're going to hear about another outbreak of violence someplace. See, the most important question to be answered is not a trivial question, but it is an answer to the question, who is your God? It's not just who is God, but who is your God? Make this personal, because that will affect the kind of person that you are and will become. Okay, now I'm going to make a third point. The third point, after, uh, you know, uh, about not all, they're not all the same and we become like our gods, the thing is there are only two religions in all of the world. Huh? Am I kidding? I mean, I look at all those names of different religions and it's, you know, just they're multiplying all the time. Well, you know what? It really, when you boil it down to essence, there really are only two. The one that says, to be aligned properly with whatever higher power it is that's out there, however you name it, it's going to require you to make that effort. You're going to have to meditate hard enough. You're going to have to serve enough. You're going to have to placate that God enough so that finally you may have a chance, and no guarantee at all, that you're going to be aligned properly with that God. Hmm. That's pretty depressing, isn't it? And the other religion is this. Christianity, Jesus Christ, the Holy Trinity, God taking the initiative, God accepting us purely by grace. You see, being justified by faith, the scripture that I read to you from Romans 5, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, and we rejoice in this grace in which we now stand. By grace, through faith, Everything on account of Jesus Christ. That is the one and the only way to God. 
Christianity stands for that. And let's get the story straight on that. It all begins with the beginning. Oh, you open up this book, and what does it say? What are the first words? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Where does it end? Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Revelation chapter 21. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Beginning to end. God. God. Okay, so what did God do in the beginning? He created the heavens and the earth. Oh, did just the Father get involved in creation? No. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity. It says, and God said. Oh, said. Hmm. Oh, a word. A word came forth. A word. A a creating word came forth. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And it says that Without him was not anything made that was made. Through him, everything that exists came into existence. And then, oh, do we forget the Holy Spirit? Not at all. Also in chapter 1 of Genesis, the Spirit of God is moving over the face of the waters. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit involved in creation. And the crown of creation on day six is humankind. God made people and At the end of that, God rested because he looked at all that he had made, and it was very good. Can you imagine the pleasure and the joy of God as he looks at that? But thats I don't think that lasts real long because the next part of the story tells us that there was a crash. They fell. They rebelled, became fatally flawed. It's like, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. They could not bring themselves up. No longer was this creation very good. But you would think that God would say, I think I'm just going to wipe those people off this earth and I'm going to start all over again. No. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to restore. I'm going to bring them back. I'm going to reconcile. I'm going to justify. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to save them. And so God so loved that broken world that he sent his only begotten son into the world that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Not a trivial matter, is it? Yeah. And it's, as a matter of fact, it, it just gets right down into the core of our lives because this is not a trivial matter. Who is your God, and how do you become right with that God? It is through Jesus Christ. The work of the enemy is destructive work. Yeah, it's not a trivial matter. He introduced idolatry. In the, 12th, uh, the first chapter uh, of Romans, in the 23rd verse, it says this, that what they did is they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and, animals and reptiles. And then They just distorted all the normal human needs and appetites into compulsions so that people got driven like all those false gods by lusts and power and blood. All the characteristics of the lesser gods. You see, who your God is is not a trivial matter. Is revealed to us in all of creation. You know, we look at his handiwork and say, my goodness, what an incredible God this must be who not only designed it, but put it all together. He is revealed in this book, 
Holy Scripture. And in this Scripture, we see the supreme revelation that is he revealed himself in his Son, Jesus Christ. And we contrast that with every other alternative. Isaiah, in the sixth chapter, which I mentioned before, he has a vision of God. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. Train fills the temple, and there are the seraphim, and they are flying around, and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. One holy would have been enough, but God deserves more than one holy. Two holies, yeah, really holy. Three holies, superlatively way beyond. And then he realizes, in contrast, I am a sinner. But you contrast the God that we worship, the Holy Trinity, with every other alternative, and every part of it falls short. Now, there's Isaiah. He sees himself as a sinner. What does God do? So, yeah, you're, you're right. You are so bad. I think I just better punish you. I better get even with you for you know, turning against me. No. What he offers is forgiveness. I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 2. And in the 13th verse, these words, I want you to look at them. It says, God made you alive when you were dead. Alive with Christ. And then what came with that? The forgiveness. He forgave us all our sins. A brand new life. A redeemed life. Yeah. A forgiven life. So that no longer are our faults our shortcomings, our sins, our rebellion. No longer is that held against us, but we are completely forgiven. As a matter of fact, it's so radical that, in G- that Jesus said, and it's recorded in John chapter 3, that we must be born again. Dead? Yeah, but you got to be born again to get a brand new life. You're fallen, I will lift you up. You are dirty, I will wash you clean, I will cleanse you by my precious blood. Not only that, but it keeps on getting better. Romans 8, 29, look at this. That we are, what are we? We are predestined to be conformed to the image of to the likeness of his son. God's got a plan in your life. He's working. He's doing something. What is he doing? Day by day by day, he's working at us. He's messing with us because he wants us to become like his son, Jesus Christ. And we don't get that by our effort. We don't make it on our own like the the worshipers of all these other gods think that they have to do. God is doing it for us. He's doing it in us. I want to think of two prepositions uh, about God's working. The first is that God has worked for us. He has acted for us in Christ by the crucifixion and resurrection. Secondly, is he is acting in us, present now by the Holy Spirit, God active in you. So, Our God is not just a holy God, but a God of love. He is merciful, gracious, and we become partakers of those divine attributes and characteristics. A better God, you see, works to bring us to be better people. And so what do we do? Okay, our mission here, we say, well, first two things, love God, love others. We said it again at the beginning of the service. Yeah, loving Him. Loving Him with our heart, soul, strength, and mind and then loving others. 
Yeah, love one another. The people that are in the fellowship of our church, uh, all Christians. Uh, you know what? Even the obnoxious neighbor, yeah, the one whose dog barks you know, all through the night and uh, plays music way too loud and music you don't even like at all and, uh, you know, drops his car right off in front of your driveway so you can't get out and uh, blows his leaves onto your lawn. And when you're, in, when you're not sure you like what's going on, it'll give you, a, you know, an obscene gesture. So you're called to love that person. Wow, that gets pretty radical, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, but you see, we have a better God, so we can be better people. Amen, amen. God is good. Well, that's the last point. We do have a better God, the one, the only true God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and he wants us to become like him, and that is no trivial matter. He is working to make us to be better people, for God does it work in you to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And all of God's people said, amen.